Good morning, friends. Well, welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church on this second Sunday after Pentecost. My name is Uyan, one of the pastors here. Uh, as we worship and praise God together, may you continue to encounter the loving, peace-filled, grace-filled presence of God as a family of God. Uh, one quick thing I wanted to uh, mention to you as we continue to welcome you. Uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Nancy Watson, next week at the annual conference, she's going to officially retire, but she's going to continue to serve in a reduced capacity, focusing on pastoral care here at Myers Park. So she's not going anywhere. Uh, she's returning back to us. Uh, but we do want to celebrate her. So following the 9.45 and 11 a.m. service next Sunday in the parish lobby, we're going to celebrate her ministry. So I invite you to join us as you are able in parish lobby next Sunday. I'm so grateful to be joined by my colleague and friend, Pastor Taylor. What else is going on today? Hello, good morning. It's so good to be in worship with you today. Um, if you haven't already signed in on the hospitality pad that's on the inner, um, the aisle side of the pews, we encourage you to do that. Even if you have signed in, make sure that everybody on your row has also signed in. So just pass it along anyway. We want to make sure that everyone lets us know that they're in worship with us. We also want to bring your attention to this little sheet of paper that's hopefully in that hospitality pad. And um, this is a card for a, in the, during the offering portion of our worship, and it says this card represents my offering to our church. We know that many of you give online or you mail in your tithe later, and so we want you. We want to know that we see that. We know that that's part of your generosity to this church, and we want you to be a part of that moment in worship. And one of the ways that you can be a part of that is p placing this little piece of paper in the offering plate when that goes around later in service. As always, we want to encourage you to check out This Week at Myers Park. Church is still happening even in the summer, and we want you to know what's going on and the ways in which you can continue to grow in your faith, love God, and uh, be in fellowship with one another. So let us continue on in worship as a church.
church family, let us continue to join our voices together as we affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in the bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. to join me in our prayer of confession, which is an opportunity for us to speak the truth about our fallenness together in the safety of community. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who curses you, I will curse. And by you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, which they had gathered, and the persons that they had gotten in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. 
So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Thence he removed to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west side and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Negeb. This is the word of God for the people of God. Into 2002, Oscar-winning soundtrack, the song Lose Yourself by the artist Marshall Mathers, also known as Eminem from Michigan. He writes these words. If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? You only get one shot. And I think we as people, as a culture, we obsess and we romanticize about something like this. This catalytic moment, whatever might have happened or not happened in the past, we romanticize and dream of this moment where we make a particular decision upon the opportunity which will make all of our past okay, present better, and future brighter. We, we look forward to that. We wish for it. We dream about it. And I think in some ways, uh, at first glance, what we read in Genesis chapter 12, it seems to be that particular moment for Abram as we read about God's calling and Abram's response. Right? So we, we read about Abram. This is Abraham before he becomes Abraham, his Abram. We don't know too much about him at all. He's the son of Terah. And Terah is a descendant of one of Noah's sons, Shem. But, but outside of this, we, we know so little. Abram's not even mentioned until just a few verses before chapter 12. Chapter 11 of Genesis, verse 27, the name Abram's mentioned uh, in ways of just the, the family lineage. And then we come to this scripture reading where God appears Uh, to this unknown person to say, go from your country, your kindred, from your father's house, go where I tell you to go. We don't know what kind of pedigree Abram possessed, his gifts and graces, his talents, his proclivities toward whatever. Uh, We don't know if Abram's righteous like that of his ancestor Noah. We don't know. Yet, one could argue that the calling of Abram is one of the most important callings that we find to be true in the Bible. The story of Abram is particularly poignant for me, and I hope that it's poignant for you because it's about God's calling in your life, in our lives, and how we may or may not respond. Every time I walk into a church, especially being a pastor's kid and being a pastor now myself, although I must tell you, you need not be a pastor or religious leader to be called by God. We're all called by God. Every time I walk into a church, walk into a parishioner's home, every time I walk into a hospital, a nursing home, every time our family move from a former church to a new church for a new appointment, calling of Abram is one of the stories that we pray for, pray about, remember. 
in regards to this text, uh, I have preached, I think I've preached about this particular point about Abram's calling even from our church. Uh, there's a couple of things to note, yes? When Abram's called, despite uh, we've already mentioned the absence of his stories in the Bible, but when Abram's called, we are told a couple of things. We're told of his age, how old was Abram. I won't dwell on this point too long because I've preached about this in the past. Abram is 75 years old. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying that 75 is old, but it ain't young. You know what I mean? Yeah. 75 is typically a season where we uh, reap the fruits of our labor, where we settle down for the long haul. Uh, it is not the year and the season of our lives where we're called to new things especially something as radical as what Abram is being called to in this point in time. So the timing of the calling, the age, that's one thing. And there's another part of this, the place where Abram is called from. Not where he's going to, but the very place Abram's is. He's what? He's in Haran. Haran translates as a highway or a crossroads. Perhaps we can look at this passage from the standpoint of God is calling Abram at a particular crossroads of his life to call him to a new place, to a new thing, toward new people. Uh, God was not joking when God promises, I will make of you a great nation. Because Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all three of these major world religions, traces their lineage back to the calling of Abram, Abraham. So, in verse 3, we read of God's calling. And in verse 4, we read of Abram's response. I wonder what happened in between those two verses. We're not told the process and the journey of Abram's discernment. But surely he had some internal conversations, if not external dialogues with his family and friends, his trusted ones. I wonder if Abram was anxious, uncertain, worried. I wonder if Abram weighed and calculated the opportunity cost of this ridiculous call from God to go to a place he's never been. I'm quite certain that Abraham certainly did not know what we know as Christians uh, in the New Testament and the words of Christ, but surely he must have thought something along, along the lines of what we read in Matthew 6 when Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear, do not worry. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added on to you. Uh, we know these words from Jesus. Abraham did not, but certainly I, I have to trust that he felt he discerned something like that. And going back to, to verse 3, this is another interesting uh, 
interplay between God and Abram. God is the subject and Abram is the object. God is the one that says, I will show you. I will make of you. And for me, I find great comfort in this exchange because God's saying, I will show you. You may not see what's ahead of you, but I have seen what is ahead of you, and I will show you in due time. You may not know what you will become, but I know the person that I made you to be. I will make of you so that you will see as I see, and you will become the child that I made you to be, that God is the primary actor to show, to lead, and to guide. I don't know the specific aspects of your callings in your life that God has for you. But suffice to say, we're all called by God to be partners in ministries with Jesus. And the one who calls is the one who will equip. Wherever God may be calling you, God will equip you. And the one who equips is the one who has the fuller understanding of who you are meant to be even more than you could ever dream of. And I must say that uh, uh, Abram's response really rises to the occasion of the enormity of the call. And I love the response. He doesn't say a thing. We're simply told in verse 4 from the third person, so Abram went. There's such simplicity in that trust in that obedience ultimately. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen because Abram or any one of us dream about moments like these. It only happens because Abram have journeyed in his life all the years that have led up to this moment in a particular way. Direction of obedience for a very, very long, long time. Uh, before turning 18, I wanted to share a little story about my younger brother. His name is Paul, and I know you may be wondering, why is he Paul and you Uyan? <laughs> Paul is an alias. He just kind of kept it. <laughs> uh, he's eight years younger than I am, and before he turned 18, he had four major significant moves. Uh, these are not even counting the changes of homes. These are just changes of States and countries, he moved when he was two, when he was six, 13, and 16. And after that, he went off to college at Davidson, just down the street here, not too far. He moved from Texas to Iowa when he was six, six, seven-ish. And I remember that first week when we moved, uh, my mom was sitting in my brother's bed as he lied there crying, and my brother said, I don't have any friends here. I don't want to be here. I want to go back home. I want to go back to Texas. I remember that happening so many years ago. I'll never forget it, and especially now. My younger daughter, Chloe, is Paul's age. That's a very poignant story for me, and I remember my mom, my brother, and me. We just wept together. We just wept together. When he moved again uh, as a 13-year-old from Iowa to North Carolina, he didn't say much. He just kind of went with his family. 
and I was out of the house by the time he moved when he was 16. He finished his freshman year in high school, and right before the sophomore year began, family moved again from North Carolina to South Carolina. And at this point in time, as my mother shared this story with me, uh, dad called the family to the table, and my brother Paul knew what that was about. And before my dad even finished what he was going to say about the, the upcoming move, my younger brother Paul said, okay, I will be ready. Okay, I will be ready. Let me say to you, for all of us, that we should never romanticize the callings of God in our response. Uh, we should not romanticize God's calling of Abram and Abram's response as he went any more or less than I romanticize God's calling upon my families to move as they did and my brother's ultimate response as a 16-year-old who said, okay, I will be ready. Because even despite our faithful response to God's calling in our lives, it does not mean that our lives will be any easier for it. In fact, if anything, responding to God's call will make our lives far more complicated and difficult. If you don't believe me, examine the life of Abram. My goodness. His life got so hard that he lied about his wife, Sarah, being his sister. Not once, but twice. Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 20. Can you imagine how bad it must have been for him to say, here's Sarah, she's my sister. Yeah. What's the mark of discipleship? One of the marks of discipleship is that God calls us. That God calls us oftentimes to places that we've never been and oftentimes to be with people that whom we'd rather avoid. And we respond. We respond. And the reward for responding to God's callings in our lives in a faithful way, I got to tell you, God's calling in your life, in our lives together, in our faithful response, will not make our lives easier, healthier, wealthier, or even happier, although I'm a big fan of happiness. But I do think that there are rewards to, to saying yes. There are, of course there are rewards of being called and responding in faithfulness. But I'll be honest with you, the older I get, the more I see and hear, uh, the longer I experience life as it is, not only in my life, but in your lives, in the life of our collective faith community that is the church. I think the very reward of being called and responding to God is simply just that. The reward is that God calls us, and the reward is that we've said yes. That is the reward. And that should be enough, shouldn't it? That God knows you and me, that God knows us to call us to join God in God's ministry. And we as the people of God said yes. We said yes. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us continue to pray together.
God of all our journeys, you lead us day by day. Sometimes the going is smooth and we follow gladly. But sometimes the going gets tough and we face obstacles and difficult choices. We're unsure which way to turn. Forgive us when we hesitate and give us the courage to walk with you and the call you've placed on our lives. Lord, in your mercy. God of our past and our future, we come before you with grateful hearts, trusting that you accompany us through all the times of our lives. You create a future for us, calling each of us to use our individual abilities and opportunities to make a difference. Thank you that we all have a place and a purpose in your world. Guide all who are graduating this year to listen for your call and find their true path and calling. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, O oh God, as we pray for the world and its deep and diverse needs. We pray for all who feel helpless or hopeless in this present time. For those around us facing unemployment and struggling to make ends meet. For those caught up in the misunderstanding or broken relationships. For those who are working through situations of conflict at home or at work. We pray for all those working to relieve the suffering in these lives and bring justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion, we pray for all those facing fear or frustration, wrestling with sorrow or discouragement in any area of their lives, for those who live with illness or pain, for those bearing with chronic conditions or disability, for those who know the bereavement, grief, and we especially remember the family of Michael Berry in their time of loss. Guide all those who seek to bring healing, comfort, and care to those who suffer. Lord, in your mercy. God of healing and hope, inspire and guide our congregation to engage the world each day with faithfulness. Unite us as we travel into the future you are creating for us as followers of Jesus as we pray the words he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the glory, and the glory forever. As we prepare for this moment of offering, I want to give thanks for your continued generosity. One of the ways that your generosity is at work is through our youth ministry. We actually have over 30 middle schoolers on a plane right now with our youth staff and wonderful chaperones who are on their way to Kansas City to serve in a mission trip um, where they'll learn and walk alongside their neighbors and community partners in that part of the country. So we ask for your prayers, but we also give thanks.
God, we offer you these gifts in thanksgiving for the work of Christ in our lives. Bless them and us with the power of your spirit, enlisting all our gifts for the work of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
God has called and God continues to call Mars Park United Methodist Church. And we have said and will continue to say yes. Just say yes. In fact, say it with me. One, two, three, yes. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Thank you.